how to apply your word in our daily life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you wouldn't know it, but our beloved worship director, Megan, uh, is, has the flu. She's leaving now to go to urgent care, but she was here leading you guys in worship. She's an amazing team member. She loves her church. She does a fantastic job. This band was great. And uh, just be in prayer for our worship director, especially during Christmas time. You don't want Pastor Joe leading worship on Christmas Eve. I promise you that. You do not want that. So I'm Joe Davis. I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're continuing with our series on the Gospel of Mark. We've been called it Mark the Evangelist. If you haven't followed at Mark the Evangel one on Twitter, you need to do that. Uh, he gives some really good uh, tweets during the week about what's going on in Galilee with Jesus. Uh, the message this week, number seven in the series, is called Compassionate Cleansing. You know, it's really hard to follow up the message last week about healing. Uh, but this one is just as important, if not more so, when it comes to eternity. So I have a couple questions for you. On a scale of one to ten... How dirty would you say you are? You know, like, Jen Trelaghi says, I'm a two. Your pastor is like a 9.6. How desperate is your need to be cleansed? Do you even recognize a desperate need for cleansing? How often have you been directly disobedient to God's word, to the commands that are there. How many promises to God or to others have you actually broken? God, I promise this time. uh. Man is constantly seems like trying to bridge the gap between being clean and being filthy, even if they aren't spiritually minded. So what we do is sometimes we turn to religion to cleanse us. Sometimes we turn to political purity or ideology to cleanse us. Sometimes we turn to philosophy. Just get our mind thinking right. We'll be ready to go. Sometimes we actually turn to philanthropy to cleanse us. We think if we give away enough, then we'll be cleansed from all of our filthiness. We're constantly trying to bridge this gap between clean and unclean, even if we don't recognize it. Jumping through certain hoops to perhaps prove our worthiness of God's blessing. But what's interesting is in the midst of us trying to be clean, the scripture teaches us that Jesus actually desires to seek out those needing cleansing. Knowing that we are powerless ourselves to cleanse us in any way, shape or form. As a matter of fact, Jesus sees us in our unclean state. In our desperate situation, and because of our desperate, unclean situation, he, the scripture says, is moved with deep-seated compassion for his children. Isn't that interesting? Our, Our uncleanness is what gives Jesus the most passion to enter into our lives. He's not passionate about entering into the lives of those who are clean. He desires fellowship with the unclean. Here's the passage from today, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him or begging him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, 
you can make me clean. This is Jesus going from Capernaum to the next town. He's in, he's in the countryside in between two, two towns, and he, and he, by chance, runs into this leper. Scripture says, moved with pity or compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will, I will cleanse you, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left from him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but go show yourself to the priest. In other words, go about 30 miles to Jerusalem, 40 miles to Jerusalem, go to the temple. Show yourself to the priest and offer, and, and, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Go show the priest what's happened to you. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. <laughs> and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was forced out into desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So we like to look at three applications of scripture. The first one is history. What about man? What does he do and why and how does he do it? I want to talk about a leper's lucky day. First of all, you have to understand leprosy was an extremely heavy burden in, in the first century. It's very, very common in this region. <clears throat> it's a widespread problem. It's contagious. And nobody knows the cure. Sometimes people would just have it clear up. Many times they wouldn't. What's worse than the disease of leprosy, the pain and the discomfort of it, is the isolation that you suffer from people, family, friends, and services that you need so desperately. You live alone, suffering, banished with all the rest of the people who have leprosy. That's the biggest burden of the disease. And lepers were forced to take this precaution to prevent the spread among people. They were unclean, not just physically, but obviously ceremonially unclean. They could not worship in the temple or in the synagogues. Under the old covenant, the affliction of leprosy meant a variety of different skin conditions. It rendered a person unclean and unable to join with the fellowship of God's people. They were forced to live outside of town, far removed from temples and synagogues. That's in Leviticus 13, if you ever want to read it. It's a horrible disease, compounded by a ban from interaction with anybody but the people who also have the same disease you do. This leaves the infected isolated, shunned, lonely, despised, desperate, and hopeless. This is the condition of this lucky leper. And then suddenly, the news has been spreading, and he sees this guy, Jesus, walking to the next town. I call this sovereign favor. And you'll see me use quotations here. For those listening on the podcast this week, I'm using quotations. Just remember that in your head. Random chance, random chance, this leper crosses paths with Jesus as he's walking to the next town, this particular leper, not just any leper, this one with this personality, with this history, with this disease, in this location, at this time, it is a particular specific person. And he confesses Jesus' ability and notes that the Savior's exercise of it depends entirely upon whether Jesus wants to. Jesus, if you would, if you want to, you could certainly cleanse me. It's your power, it's your choice. I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing, but it's up to you. 
And Jesus says, I got you. Now I'm going to cleanse you. I want you to go and show yourself to the priest and ask him to offer the ceremonial cleansing that you need so that you can be rejoined with the people. You see, once you were healed of leprosy, you could not return to society unless the priest had examined you and confirmed, yes, the symptoms are gone. And there has been a ritual sacrificial cleansing ceremony that shows that you are now cleansed from this disease. But by sovereign grace, by sovereign favor, Jesus going to the next town, make sure that his paths cross with this lucky leper. And then I want you to see what I've entitled elated disobedience. (laughs) The leper's cleansed, but instead of doing exactly what Jesus tells him to do, he runs to the town and tells everyone, and he skips the temple part. He couldn't control himself. He's elated. He's full of joy and amazement and wonder and happiness at what Jesus has done for him. I mean, really, what would you have done? Had you been unclean and ostracized for years, maybe decades, like this man? This is what he happens. He, he is so excited about what Jesus has done for him. He goes and talks about it, even though he wasn't supposed to, he can't control, yet it leads to disobedience. So what happens? The scripture says Jesus gave him his leprosy back. No, it doesn't say that. I'm just joking. He didn't, it didn't happen that way. But as a result, Jesus can't go to the towns anymore. It's a madhouse. He's become so sought after, he can't go near Sarasota. He has to stay in Inglewood. And Mayaka. And Arcadia. Not even Jesus wants to go to Bradenton. I have to do a Bradenton joke every week. Just joking, people. Bradenton's great. All right, so that's the history. Let's talk about the spiritual. I want to talk about this sovereign compassion. Do you think that this man's disobedience came as a surprise to Jesus? Do you think that Jesus was surprised, first of all, that, wow, a leper, I didn't know I was going to meet one of these along the way. (laughs) And do you think he knows when he heals the leper that he will disobey and go tell everyone? You know, just like last week when Jesus knew all these people would show up, when I was talking about the people that showed up in droves to be healed, Jesus understands our humanity. Remember, not too long ago, he had just spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness being tempted. He knows our frailty. He knows that the odds of this leper fulfilling his responsibility and just going straight to the temple and not telling everyone is about one in a thousand. Why would he heal this leper knowing he's going to respond with disobedience? Yet for some reason, he still has this deeper level of compassion and desire to cleanse this particular leper. Jesus understands. He sought this leper out, as a matter of fact. He intervenes in his life. He cleanses him knowing what would happen, knowing that there would be consequences that Jesus would bear for himself as he cleansed this man. It's amazing. The compassion for this leper that supersedes even this leper's disobedience is the way Jesus approaches all his children. This isn't a special isolated case. This happens every time he reaches into one of our hearts. I want to look at this Greek word. So this Greek word, it means to be moved as deeply as possible 
to compassion. To be moved as to one's bowels. Pastor Joe, that's disgusting. <laughs> Let me explain what it means. In the first century, they didn't really understand all the science behind why we feel certain things and how our bodies react to it. And it was believed that there, it was in the bowels, in the deepest part of your body, was where the seed of love and compassion originated. Now, we know today that's not the case. We understand that when you get that gut feeling of love and compassion, it's a chemical reaction that your brain has sent to your body, and now you feel it in your body so that you are motivated to do something. But as far as they understood, they were trying to explain this gut feeling of love, this yearning in this, this pit of your stomach type thing we feel when we love someone, when we care for someone, when we're moved with compassion. You feel it, right? You understand it. You feel it in your, in your body. Modern science understands that chemical reaction. Understand how deep emotion creates a physical condition. In the first century, they didn't understand this. They just knew they could feel it. This compassion, they could feel it in their stomach. Church, it's how God made us. So that love and compassion would move us to physical action. Words, expressions. Jesus understands it. He gets it. And the scripture says he has this deep-seated compassion for the leper. Deep-seated love for the leper in spite of his disobedience. And what Jesus does when he does this is it displays his love and his humanity for his children. And he has this ridiculous compassion for the suffering. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 5, 31 and 32, this is what it says. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He makes this tie between the sick and the well and the righteous and the sinner. And what Jesus is saying is, I have no interest in the well. I have no interest in the righteous. I have interest in the sick and the sinner. He felt the man's pain. He felt the agony of this man's isolation, his physical distress, his social isolation, his religious isolation. The man's plight triggered this gut feeling, this pit in Jesus' stomach, this incredible deep compassion. Jesus hated disease. He hates what sin has done to creation. And he has compassion for all those who are suffering from the fall. But what if it went further than just the physical? Jesus has incredible compassion for what sin has done to us spiritually, the leprosy of sin. The suffering, the consequences, the separation from God, it creates a deep-seated yearning in Jesus for his children. Can you imagine the motivation of an almighty God who sees those whom God has given to him by his sovereign grace suffering and dying and hurting from sin and unrighteousness. And Jesus has this incredible yearning, this pit in his stomach. It's probably one of the reasons he couldn't eat in the wilderness. Probably one of the reasons why he was fasting and praying before he was crucified, where he sweat great drops of blood. It's probably because of the yearning for his children. This is what motivates him. So that gives us the compassion for the suffering. And then there is compassion without religion. Here's what he says in Luke 
And he says to the, to the spiritual people, the ones who are righteous that don't need him, he says, woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear. Remember, by the way, lawyers. Remember I told you the first week that scribes and lawyers were kind of the same people? He's not talking about like personal injury attorneys here. He's talking about <laughs> religious law experts. Woe to you lawyers, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. In other words, you don't touch the unrighteous. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of prophets whom your fathers killed. Religion could only provide regulations to recognize the disease, verify when it is gone, and outline ritual procedures for restoring the person's ceremonial cleansing. And while religion had the power to banish and brand and isolate and condemn a leper, religion was powerless to cleanse him, restore him. Religion could never restore the leper to fellowship. The religion could only exclude him. It's very similar to how religion works with our sin, is it not? But Jesus provides the healing that the law stipulations never could. Jesus' compassion on the leper was not, okay, I will cleanse you, but you got to do this, 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 and this. And then maybe I'll cleanse you. No, Jesus says, you're right, I can cleanse you, and you are cleansed. Boom, bam, done. Even though I know you're fixing to do exactly what I told you not to do. So then we have compassion despite disobedience. I love Romans 5, 8. Paul says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still lepers, still sinners, Christ died for us. See, deep-seated passion for a man suffering in a fallen world, despite man's disobedience before it even happens, is Jesus. Jesus looks past what he knows will happen because his compassion for this filthy sinner is so incredibly great. Jesus knew the leper wouldn't follow his commands, yet he still touched his life. To me, this is the core of the passage today. Once again, this all validates Jesus is the son of God. He has the authority greater than religion, authority greater than disease, and authority greater than sin. He overcomes all three of those, right? He's better than religion, he's better than leprosy, and he's better than disobedience. All three he takes out with one fell swoop. But I want you to see that compassion always has a cost. Galatians 3.13, look at this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. See, even as Jesus had compassion and cleanses the leper, why? Because he can it never comes without a cost, an impact on Jesus himself. And because the leper goes into the town and tells everyone Jesus can't go into the towns anymore because of these frenzied crowd, the cost to Jesus in this story is a fascinating contrast. I'm going to take a small quote from a guy named MacArthur. He says, the leper, an outcast, having to stay in isolated places, is now into the city. Jesus, because of the leper, ended up in isolated places. Jesus trades places with a leper. This is the spiritual application of what Jesus does for us when he cleanses us. He trades places with the filthy 
on the cross. All right, let's look at the personal. I want to talk about how cleansing is for the filthy. It was the uh, Sunday sermon preview, the social media thing this week. Thankfully, God's mercy is not contingent on our obedience. I had a lot of you say amen. You could relate to that, a lot of you, right? Like a bunch of you liked it. Some of you loved it. I love you that loved it. That was good. <clears throat> For me, one of the best things about my Jesus is how well he knows my flaws. Even my deepest Darkest thoughts I would never tell any of you about. He knows about my past disobedience. He knows about my right now disobedience. And even my future disobedience. Yet he still interacts with me. Even further, he still seeks me out while I'm in my unclean state to cleanse me and save me. And the same is true for all of you. That's the best part about our Jesus. He doesn't interact with us because we have achieved some sort of religious hierarchy, some sort of level of accomplishment. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, I don't care about people who think they can accomplish things. I want people who are desperately filthy. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were in our trespasses, even while we are unclean, while we are lepers, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He still covers us with mercy and grace, even in the midst of our self-imposed leprosy. This leper was unclean and therefore separated from society, and Jesus compassionately restores him in the midst of his disobedience. We are unclean and we are separated from God, and Jesus compassionately Listen, compassionately, completely cleanses us. Why? So we can reconnect with the Father. He knew this leper wouldn't be able to control himself. But it doesn't cancel out Jesus' deep-seated, gut-stomach compassion for him. It's amazing patience. It's amazing compassion and grace to undeserving lepers, i.e. sinners. This this is the nature of God's grace. This is the essence of who Jesus is as it relates to all those souls the Father has given to him. He says, all that the Father has given me will come to me and no one can pluck them out of my hand. He's going to do whatever it takes. Matter of fact, this passage in 2 Peter chapter 3 is great. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The context of 1 Peter and the context of Jesus' words talking about those the Father has given to him say this, there's not one leper that Jesus has known before the foundation of the world that he's going to let slip by. He has such a deep, yearning, gut reaction, compassion for us and sympathy for us, he's going to do whatever it takes to reconnect us to the Father. So let's talk about just a couple more things. I want to talk about the confessions of a leper. So how do we take this story of the leper and connect it to us today and tomorrow? First John 1, 9. I'm giving you a lot of scripture today. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If we confess we're lepers, he is faithful and just to forgive us or cleanse us from our lepers, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a great verse? If we say we have not sinned, 
If we say we're not lepers, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Just like with the leper, the greatest act of compassion is when God allows us to understand we are actually unclean. If you don't see yourself as a leper, if you don't see yourself as unclean, you won't be in the place to ask Jesus to cleanse you. Respectable people don't see themselves as unclean. They don't see the need. But those of us who know we're unclean are desperate for cleansing and know that our religion is powerless to deliver it. Ironically, once we begin to recognize the extent of our spiritual leprosy, that's when hope begins. Hope begins when we are face to face with our spiritual leprosy and our amount of uncleanliness, our own filth. And once we recognize that, that's when we say, wow, I'm desperate. And Jesus provides the hope. And so with that, I just want to talk about hope for lepers. Some of you are here today, right now, and you're so overwhelmed by your own filthiness. You're convinced you don't deserve an audience with Jesus. You don't deserve to even cross his path. You don't deserve his cleansing. I mean, who are you to expect such a rich interaction with our Lord? I mean, not only have you been disobedient in the past, you're disobedient now, and in your heart of hearts, if you're honest, you know you will continue to be disobedient tomorrow. You don't want to. You want to be better, but you're overwhelmed with just how filthy you really are. Filth that nobody even knows about. You're unworthy, you feel, like you have no hope of ever becoming worthy. And you might feel that cleansing is unattainable. But because of the deep-seated, pit-in-his-stomach compassion of our Jesus, the hopelessly clean have great hope. Maybe you feel unclean because of things that have happened to you beyond your control. Things you just can't talk about. Victimization, abuse. I mean, nobody asked for leprosy, but they got it. So maybe that's why you feel unclean. You've been through a trauma that was no, no fault of your own, but you feel like half a person. Maybe you're unclean because of things you have done. Decisions you've made, actions you have taken. Some sort of secret sins you can't ever talk about publicly. On the outside, you look clean. On the inside, just skin deep, you know you're absolutely filthy. Well, you're right. But lucky for us, the compassion of our Jesus overwhelms even the filthiest. Today, it's possible that today, right now, you are just like the leper, sovereignly crossing paths with this message of the compassion of Jesus. Perhaps today you are one of those that is being given the gift of faith. And today, just like the leper, you can say, Jesus, if you will, I know you can make me clean. The compassion of Jesus cleansed this leper. And it's exactly how Jesus can cleanse you today, right now, maybe even as I speak. 
The compassion Jesus has for us is so deep-seated. It's how Jesus works. He does whatever it takes to cleanse, no matter the cost to him, even to the cross. No matter how filthy we are in the past, no matter how filthy you might be right now, and no matter how filthy you might get in the future, the compassion of Jesus overwhelms all of it. Jesus, first of all, we recognize spiritually we're definitely lepers. We're unclean. We're filthy. We do a good job of deodorant and hairspray. But if people really knew what was inside our heart, Ugh. We're overwhelmed by just how far away we are from what we should be. But we are so thankful that you made your son to feel love and compassion that was so great that, Jesus, you were motivated to go to the cross. Exchange places with us. Give us compassion that cost you so much so that we could be reconnected and reunited with not just you, but your people. Lord, I pray for those who maybe are here today by your sovereign choice, that as lepers for the first time, they're recognizing their uncleanliness and maybe for the first time they're finally to get it. Wow, I can approach Jesus because I know that he has deep-seated compassion for me even in the middle of my disobedience. Cleanse us, Jesus. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I want to thank you today. No Megan for a closing song. I'll be praying for her. May God grant you his peace and his cleansing this week. May his face shine upon you. And I can't wait to see you next week.